Welcome to Ag Credit Set It, the podcast for farm newbies and seasoned professionals alike. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from across the agriculture industry to bring you insights, advice, and must-have information on all things rural living, from farming to finances and everything in between. So let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to another uh, exciting episode of Ag Credit Set It. I'm Matt Adams, and with me again is Brenna Finnegan, and we are at the uh, 2022 Ohio Beef Expo here in Columbus, Ohio. And Brenna, a lot of good-looking animals uh, out in the barns. We did take a little tour uh, earlier. Um, Boy, some beautiful-looking animals out there, and I tell you, you know, I think the quality of these animals when they come here is just some of the top-notch. Yes, and if you have a fluffy cow obsession, this is probably the right place to be. And uh, it's definitely neat to see all the kids and the producers around here from the state of Ohio and um, all the industry stuff within the expo area or the trade show area, I should say. And it's just neat to see what's all around here and what new things people have and, you know, the bulls on display, the semen tanks running around everywhere and all that kind of stuff so well and i tell you it's i think as as big a part is just networking with all our cattle producers i had just walking uh, from the truck up here to uh, the trade show uh, we got stopped by a number of people that we know from um, being cattle producers ourselves or you know with uh, different aspects of our profession so with that brenna um why don't you go ahead and introduce our guests we have today for us All right, we have here Elizabeth Harsh, the Executive Director of the Ohio Cattlemen's Association from Delaware County. Welcome, thank you. Thanks for having me. And we also have Tom Carr from Meigs County, who happens to be the Ohio Cattlemen's Association's President. So, we'll go ahead and get started with some questions. Just each of you guys can answer. What is your background and how did you become, you know, into the roles that you are in? Well, I'm an Ohio native, raised in Eastern Ohio attended The Ohio State University, was an animal science major, met my husband there, and now we farm in Delaware County, where he was from. So uh, raised our children there on the farm, uh, involved in the beef industry, and uh, really proud to work for Ohio's beef producers. You've become a definite staple. Everybody knows (laughs) you walking through here, so whether they know or you know them or not. How many years have you been uh, active with the Ohio Cattlemen's? Well, I've been the executive director since 1992, so uh, I hate to have to do that math, but, um, you know, it's great to see all the growth for the association and the industry and all that time, and we've really been fortunate to have great volunteers, great folks involved, and really see programs kind of really grow in all those years. I've seen a lot of the generational shifts, too, so that's exciting. It is very, very exciting, so... And Tom, we can go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became president of Ohio Cabinets. Well, I don't know how I became president, but um, that's <laughs> a longer story. But uh, I've uh, been involved with cattle since I was uh, young. My dad was a, a Pold Herford breeder in southeastern Ohio and uh, showed cattle. He was into the purebreds and showed cattle all over the, the U.S., um, promoted them. He was president of the Ohio Old Hereford Association at one time and um, was kind of active in the in the breed not as much with the Cattlemen's Association but more with the particular breed and uh, so he decided he was uh, 
not that interested in farming anymore, so he told me to take the cows, and so I took those polled Herefords and crossbred them with a lot of different uh, breeds, and uh, ended up the, the cross that I liked most was the Red Angus on the polled Hereford. And uh, at that time, I was feeding out all my cattle to finish, and so I got to see a lot of different crosses in that feed yard, and it, um, I'll, I'll make a little plug for the Red Angus. The, the Red Angus were the ones that finished first, and they and they graded okay. great. So that's what kind of pushed me to the Red, Red Angus side. Uh, as far as the OCA, I had been to uh, uh, a national convention of the NCBA and uh, was just fascinated at the, the uh, lobby work that they do and the property rights and the, the tax rights and everything. And uh, I thought I needed to do my part and so I got elected to the board and I have been on the board for since 2015 and uh, ended up president. <laughs> I may have voted for you, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. So, since we're all members here, but uh, um, now going back to the Beef Expo real quick, give us a little bit of history of the event itself and how it became to be the you know, fluffy cow central of Ohio, I guess you could call it. Well, believe it or not, this is the 34th Ohio Beef Expo. Of course, you know, we unfortunately with the pandemic in 2020 weren't able to do that one. And we were successful in having one last year, although we weren't able to do one as we're used to with all the bells and whistles. We're back this year with a sold out trade show, um, large numbers in all of our breeding cattle sales. And it looks our, like our junior cattle show may set an all time record. So, you know, beyond the junior side where we have a lot of fluffy cows. We've also represent all facets of the commercial industry. You know, we had an online feeder sale this morning with about 1,800 head of cattle um, wow. that were sold there working oh, wow. with United Producers. And then um, we have seven breed sales and one of the consigners, of course, you know, our folks raise really top cattle here in the state of Ohio, but we also have folks from all of our surrounding states that consign because they are so successful, those sales. And in addition to that, the trade show, as you guys saw, has every product, good and service that uh, a beef farm family would need. So um, we always say there's kind of three fronts of the event, if you will. And we've grown as the fairgrounds has grown because in the early years, we didn't have the building that houses the trade show today. So it's nice to be able to see it grow. Matt and I were uh, talking when we were pulling in here from another location that we were at earlier and just trying to find a parking spot you know, to even come in here was insane. And then, I mean, you could tell it's back with a vengeance after the whole pandemic thing. Everybody's here and luckily it's great weather and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's very neat to see the growth. And I've been coming for, oh gosh. I don't even want to say the number of decades too, so we won't go there. <laughs> but um, you know, just seeing the growth that it's had, and you know, we we came down and the the junior section, the kids, they're out, they're well into the horse area in, in the yeah. uh, stalls, and it's it's just quite impressive the growth that's occurred within the industry. And you know, there's a lot more to feature I think these days than what people would initially think just as a, a consumer. So, Absolutely. It's, it's all, I'm sorry. 
Well, the only thing I was going to add is we're actually in the Coliseum for the first time ever, just with our new schedule. I saw that, and I was like, there's sawdust going all the way up in there. Like, I said, we're going to have to go check that out. Yep, Yep. so very exciting. It's it's very interesting to talk to the major vendors in the uh, trade show. We have a lot of vendors that are local people that have different things to sell and, and anything and everything about cows. But the, the bigger guys that go to a lot of the um, expos, they'll tell you they, they wait on the Ohio Expo because it's just the biggest and the best in the, in the East, really. Yeah. So, and that, that's very encouraging and quite a compliment, and, and that's volume for them. So it's a good place to be, and we have a lot of traffic. That is, that is very impressive. Yeah. So, Tom, I kind of want to touch on, too, um, uh, kind of tell me a little bit, uh, what is the Ohio Cattlemen's Association, and what do they do for Ohio's cattle producers? Um, we're an association of service to our members. We're a member-based uh, association, so we depend heavily on our membership, as well as some other things that we uh, supplement our income with. But uh, we want to serve all the facets of the, of the cattle industry, from the, the club calf people, to the uh, cattle feeders, to the uh, stockyards, and of course, the, uh, what we consider is the staple is the cow-calf people. Uh, so we, we try to keep that balance and uh, have something for everybody. We do, uh, Elizabeth is very good at uh, uh, keeping an, an eye on what's going on legislatively in Ohio. And um, they respect the Ohio Cattlemen's to, um, if, if there's anything that involves property rights, animal welfare, or anything ag, uh, they come and ask our opinion on it. So, so you guys really become that voice we, for the producer. We we kind of become the voice in Ohio for the producer, but we also have input into the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, uh, and it is not a political organization. It's grassroots. You go to the convention. You have you assign different people to different topics. And those topics are actually voted on by the members and not by the hierarchy of the NCBA. And on the other side of that, the NCBA is a very effective lobby in Washington, D.C., along with Farm Bureau. And um, the legislators, when they bring up anything, water rights, property rights, cattle markets, anything that is associated with ag, they go to the National Cattlemen's Association and the Farm Bureau and says, did we write this right? I was just going to ask how closely do you guys work with Farm Bureau then too? Absolutely, yes, because we're the two main, the two main lobbies or the two main organizations uh, membership wise. So um, as Tom indicated, we're an affiliate of the National Cattlemen's Association. And just as he described, that policy is very grassroots oriented about our position on, you know, all those tax tools or all the other things that he's already touched on. And we do that same thing here at the state level. It's our members that set our policy that provide the direction of how we represent their business interests, those pocketbook issues. You touched on how we work with other ag organizations. 
That is one thing that Ohio has that is unique um, compared to any other state. And if you kind of take that survey across the country, you'll hear that come back that all of our ag groups here in Ohio work very effectively together. We know when it comes to environmental sustainability issues or whatever that is, you know, very seldom do we have a disagreement and we can be more effective working together. So we've got a great relationship here in the state. That's great. And, uh, you know, we're talking about we're here at um, probably one of your staple events, the Ohio Beef Expo. What other events and programs do uh, does the association have uh, throughout the year? We, we have a... Uh We have a uh, female improvement sale every year in uh, Zanesville the day after Thanksgiving, and we sell um, consignments from all different breeds. They have to be five years and under, and okay. be out of a registered bull, so that they have uh, EPDs to to be compared to, and uh, it's been a, a good good organization. Great. Any other? Well, beyond those um, those pocketbook issues, those legislative and regulatory issues, we um, we have taken on more of an educational role in the last um, several years, and certainly we work very effectively with Ohio State University Extension, with the faculty there in the Animal Science Department. But a new program we started just in the last few years is called our Cattlemen's Academy. So we do those as both in-person meetings and then we do a monthly a live webinar as well with a different topic of interest to producers. And of course, our youth development program, that is really what we refer to our best program as. You know, that's our version of youth development. And so there's so many opportunities beyond just competing. You know, it's the relationships that they build, it's how to win and lose gracefully. It's leadership opportunities, and you know everyone's familiar with that program. But we're proud of it because it's grown so much, and it's you know those folks can compete anywhere across the country. Those young people. So it's kind of funny you mention it because my niece uh, was like begging uh, when she was younger to come show, and I always wanted to when I was younger. But you know my dad's a turn and burn kind of guy. Get them in, get them out. <laughs> you know, quit feeding them, that kind of thing, and. When she finally got involved with it, and she was a real shy teenage girl, so like she got on the uh, um, cheerleading squad, but wouldn't cheer in front of the crowd. It's like, well, you <laughs> took that spot from another kid. So when we started coming, you know, my my dad and my brothers were like, oh, that's just you're wasting a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. But the development with for her and the people she's met, I mean, they're still friends today, and they're in their early twenties, and they get together all the time and that kind of thing. So. The connections people meet at all of these events, or the, or the connections that they make at, at all of these events, it's just, it goes to show the quality of the program and um, the type of people that come out of it and everything, so. And those families, you know, you are so right, and that's a great story to hear. You know, they will attend each other's children's high school graduations and family celebrations, you know, all across the state because they make those connections and develop those friendships. Our awards banquet, Last year, still in the middle of COVID, in May of 2021, had over, over 800 people attend, and that only represented a third of the participants in the program. Oh, wow. Um, I, I think it's one neat thing to see when you do go to the best shows, and a lot of our, even the junior shows, is watching the, the very young kids, watching the showmen out there in the rings, wanting to be, it's, it's 
you can see that that kind of that spark in their eye that you know you know that next generation is wanting to be out there doing that well the validation we got from taking her to all those shows and it used to be just us three girls my sister myself and my niece we'd load up the trailer and go and um when she walked into our county fair and she won the showmanship my dad finally turned around to my sister and I and was like that's the best thing you guys ever did for that kid and we were like <laughs> yes we you know we did we did it we did it and now we're got her out of her shell and sometimes we want to like shove her back in a little bit but you know it's just it goes to show like I said the the development of that program and what it really does for people so and I've, I've seen that same scenario over and over and over with uh, with our kids program so it's and her bestie's from Southern Ohio, so I mean, yeah. quote unquote bestie. <laughs> and they, and like you said, they get together and attend, you know, weddings and other events and all sorts of stuff. So, well, Tom, Elizabeth, this is kind of a question for both you, since you are both producers as well as uh, part of OCA. It's been a crazy couple years in ag industry, the world economy, and especially our beef industry too. What are our producers facing today? And you know, are there services out there to help with these problems? And, you know, along with that, we're going to look at, you know, the market. How much has that changed? You know, supply is, you know, where's our industry heading? Right now, we are on a 35, we're in a 35-year low number of total cow herd in the United States. That includes dairy and beef. And uh, that's a twofold problem. Uh, the, the problems that the smaller dairies have had, and they've sold their cows and they're gone. And then there's a mega drought, drought in the West, and so they don't have enough feed and they're selling off their mama cows. So, probably from what we learned at the convention, it's probably not going to affect calf prices immediately, but next year in 22, 23, and next year, the year after that in 24, there just aren't gonna be as many cattle out there. Not it's as many calves to fill, yes. And so uh, for the cow-calf producer, the backgrounders, um, I think it's gonna look better. Although the feeder calf sale that we had this morning, the calves were mostly 800 pounders ready to go to the feed yard, and they went really well. So very good. Uh, I think that's uh, encouraging. Well, maybe I'll work backwards in terms of, you know, everything that um, we see and all the market analysts that we work with, you know, indicates that I think a greater share of profitability is in the, in the works for beef farm families here in 2022. You know, from a consumer standpoint, uh, we hear about prices and we hear about those kind of things. But as long as demand's strong, that's great. And demand for beef is the highest it's been in 33 years. Really? Yes. So, you know, all the experts tell us that, you know, as we see supplies tighten, you know, that's going to mean that uh, we're going to have a little more leverage as producers. And we certainly didn't see that in 2020 as we saw the pandemic kind of slam upon us. You know, we don't need to probably go through all the market disruptions. We all know that. You know, I think what that did is shine a light on some of the price discovery issues within the industry that we were already grappling with. And, you know, when you didn't have a market and we saw packing plants have to stop, you know, or, or slow down production and all those kind of things, it made for folks that were not very happy. And you understand that, you know, 
So it was kind of twofold. Um, then the then the supply chain things came right behind that. You know, that um, what it did is it really said that we need to look at those opportunities for local processing where we can, you know, and continue those direct marketing efforts that allow our producers that want to bring that next generation back to the farm. They've got great genetics producing a great product. And if they can get that process in direct market, that provides income for, say, that next generation. So we actually spearheaded working with our friends here in agriculture and with our friends at the state house, $10 million in last summer's state budget to um, increase or expand packing plants in the state of Ohio. And actually that program was so successful it was overprescribed by $29 million. Oh, wow. As I say, the distribution or the allotment was just put out there it a couple was. of weeks ago, it correct? Was. So they are now working on coming up with another $18 million to be able oh. to recognize those other applications that weren't funded. And that's just one front. But um, the good news is I think we're moving through some of that. And, um, you know, when you think about opportunities and things that producers can do to protect themselves, one of the things we always talk about in our programs is those risk management programs. You know, I, I think those are things where we do things with our webinar and some of our other educational efforts and our marketing partners that um, getting producers comfortable with utilizing those tools to protect themselves too and when we have some of that turbulence in the marketplace. And our, our industry on a whole set a record last year for exports. So we, that's one of the other uh, things that NCBA, the, the national organization, does for us is continually tries to get into those markets. Uh, last year we got into China, um, and it, it was good, but that was some of that was the first meat, first good American meat that Chinese people had ever had. And they didn't, they, they like it. And we hear that all the time. Of course, our largest importer is South America, or South Korea, and in Japan it's number two. And for a long time it had always been Australian beef, which is mostly grass-fed, but they found out there's a big quality difference between U.S. beef and Australian beef. So we're working to break down some of those trade barriers and those tariffs, and for the first time, and it was a big surprise to me, we've actually worked our way, or our industry has worked our way into the United Kingdom. And we weren't able to do that because of them being a part of the European Union. And then when they went through the Brexit, they had separated them and allowed them to import our beef, which they hadn't had for a long time. And they, they are just, so excited about it, and we are too. Of course, we need to import some things from Britain too to offset that. So when we look at that market demand, it is really going to come down to you know, in a retrospect, the world economy is going to be looking at cattle producers exactly. to feed the world. Feed the world. Exactly. And you're you just said earlier that there's less producers, so we're going to have to produce that much more. Well, within what we've got. That's that's true, and and we've been doing that over the last fifty years. We've We've put more pounds on the plate or into the food supply per head than we ever have before just because of the efficiencies and the sustainability of beef. So it, it looks good. We just hope it doesn't get to the place where beef is uh, 
not for everyone. Or, you know, it's it does we don't want it to get so priced that overpriced or not overpriced but high priced that uh, everybody can enjoy the beef. So looking forward, um, what is Ohio Cattlemen's and the industry, the, the trends, what are we trying to see? What, what are we seeing with the new trends? Obviously, there's a lot of growth and, you know, like you mentioned, the exports. What other types of things that you guys can think of that are one of the One of the big topics or items that go back to our consumers is we're here to serve our consumer. They tell us what, what they want, and, and we try to produce it. And one of the things that the American producer, above, uh, as number one, they want to know where their beef comes from, and they want to know how it's treated, how it's uh, handled at the farm, and, and the whole history, the whole chain back through. And so uh, we've uh, concentrated as an industry and in Ohio uh, on the beef quality assurance program, and um, it it resonates with the consumer. And I hope that's one of those things that, unfortunately, we talk about the misinformation that gets put out in the public oh, in today. Okay. That the steps the Ohio cattlemen are taking and the producers, we're getting the right information out there to the public so they know what they're. What's, what's basically what they're getting in store, what's going to be on their plate at home. Right. And, and at the same token, we, we want to recognize that there are alternatives to beef, but we want them to be marketed fairly. And there has been some, a lot of discussion about products that are not beef being called beef. And so we're, we're working to get them labeled correctly create that line one way or the other and if that's what people I mean if that's what the consumer wants to eat just so they know what they're consuming Um, so that's a going to be a bigger problem all every year well a lot of great information uh, you know within the industry here and um, we want to know how do you producers become members of the association so so it's easy to do that right on our website. Um, it's Our membership is web-based, and so you can just click that button, join there at ohiocattle.org, as well as we've got a tremendous following on our social media, and you can uh, reach us that way. Or it's as simple as picking up the phone and calling the office. So um, I always stop here at the booth in the same way, here at the Expo. <laughs> yes, so. And that works, too, and so do a lot of others here at the Expo. You know, folks just like to visit, and that's okay, too. So uh, we are seeing membership really grow this year and uh, welcome folks that have not yet been involved. Certainly we're only as strong as the members we can represent, so. So how would one also become a little bit more involved? Say they wanna get, you know, become more a part of those committees or whatever it is that, you know, makes up and makes some decisions and and gets things going for for the industry here in Ohio. You know, participate and attend. That is, I guess that's the way I would encapsulate it. There's so many events and meetings Our annual meeting was in January where we do some education, some socializing, some policy development. Same way at best shows, depending on what your interest is, you know, here at the Expo. This wouldn't happen without all the great volunteers that spend a lot of time and a lot of meeting time planning, you know, months ahead. And with all of our events, when we're out working with our county associations and putting on 
our Cattlemen's Academy programs attend, and, and all you have to do is just uh, offer that you've got an interest, and there's a spot for folks. And and along with that, the State Fair is a is a big uh, Midwestern cattle show. Yes. So there's uh, lots of opportunity to engage. We'd like to thank Elizabeth Harsh and Tom Carr for being part of our podcast today. Be sure to visit uh, the Ohio Beef Expo and be sure to look up uh, the Ohio Cattlemen's Association. Uh, plenty of information there and contact information for membership and all the different aspects that that association does for producers. This is Matt along with Brenna at the 2022 Ohio Beef Expo, and we'll be back shortly with our next guest. Did you know Ag Credit has loans specially designed with today's livestock producers in mind? From land, barn construction, equipment, and operating loans, Ag Credit has the solutions for today's producers in an ever-changing livestock environment. Contact your local Ag Credit branch today or find us on the web at agcredit.net. Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt here with Brenna. We're back at the Ohio Beef Expo. Brenna, how was your uh, evening last night at the hotel? Probably shouldn't mention. <laughs> I can't say anything. No, it was a good night. It was fun. Hung out with a lot of people we haven't seen in a long time um, that are around the state in the beef industry. And it was it was great to just hang out with them and see each other again. So Kind of nice to catch up with everyone. And uh, I tell you, the weather, uh, we were... Uh, uh, a nice warm sunny 72 yesterday and now it's uh now it feels more like expo weather it's a little chillier rainy you know uh lovely 55. dreary 55 <laughs> dreary saturday morning here in columbus so brenna let's uh, let's kick it off here and why don't you introduce our guest we are here with dan wells uh the uh, secretary and field man with the ohio angus association welcome dan thanks guys glad to be here so, Dan, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to be with Ohio Angus and all that kind of stuff. Well, I grew up in southern Ohio uh, on an Angus operation. Grew up showing some Angus heifers uh, through the state programs with the Ohio Angus Association. Went to Ohio State, got an animal science degree there. Um, from there, I left Ohio and went to Virginia and actually ran the Virginia Angus Association for four years. Um, after I was there, I kind of transitioned back to Ohio be more involved in our family's operation, uh, work for a national sale firm doing uh, Angus production sales all over the country for a few years and then uh, transition into this job where I kind of run and maintain the Ohio Angus Association. So you're going to catch some background here because we are out here in the viaduct. So. Yeah, we are, we are live here at the expo this year. <laughs> so, um, you know, Dan and I have actually known each other for probably going on 20 years now at least <laughs> so <laughs> pretty close yeah old college days yes it is so um so what is the ohio angus association Ohio Angus association is a non-profit breed association um, that represents the angus breeders and uh, just any really any other cattleman that's interested in angus uh, within the state of ohio um, we have about 300 members uh, throughout ohio and surrounding states so how would you end up becoming a member of Ohio Angus? You can join a lot of different ways. We've got online forms through our website. Uh, we have printed printed membership forms that are around in a lot of our different publications. We just put out our annual membership directory, which is a great resource that has uh, information about everything we did last year within the association, kind of highlights that we have coming up this year, 
um, as a full listing of all of our members. Um, and there's always a membership form in there where people can, uh, you know, submit that and mail it back in with their dues and get become a member and get on our mailing list for all of our information. Okay. Well, you know, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, what's, you know, the differences from the Angus breed from other breeds of cattle? The Angus breed is predominantly known as a very maternal breed, uh, great mothers. Um, we've also always been a very well known for meat quality. Um, that's kind of what differentiates Angus from a lot of the other breeds is meat quality and also the maternal and mothering ability of our cows. Gotcha. So with that meat quality, obviously everybody knows certified Angus. Sure, yeah. If you everybody go to any, any restaurant or uh, fast food place anymore, it's, that's what we're always always seeing promoted is that certified Angus uh, beef. So, so what does certified Angus beef mean and what would a consumer want to see or know about it? Well, Certified Angus Beef is a nonprofit uh, affiliate of our national association, the American Angus Association, that was started to help drive the demand for Angus cattle and Angus genetics by highlighting the carcass traits and meat quality strengths of the Angus breed. Um, cattle that make it into the Certified Angus Beef brand are cattle that are very high in marbling, which everybody knows marbling is that intermuscular fat within the steaks. That's where your flavor and your juiciness comes from. That's something that the Angus breed excels in. Um, so it allows us to kind of differentiate cattle to go through the packing uh, plants uh, that are up in the upper two thirds or higher uh, in choice for marbling. Um, so that, you know, the consumer knows when they see the certified Angus beef brand, they know they're getting a high quality piece of meat and a high quality eating experience. You know, kind of uh, uh, stemming off from that, um, the last couple of years have been just crazy. And pretty much every industry, agricultural for sure, and especially for our cattle producers. Um, you know, what challenges have you seen as a producer and as part of the Angus Association? Um, the challenges out there for producers and uh, what's, uh, what's being done to, uh, to kind of combat some of them challenges? Yeah, it's been an interesting last two years, uh, especially between COVID and the constant fluctuation input costs and that kind of stuff. Um, those have been some of the biggest challenges. Um, you know, we really struggled two years ago when COVID hit. A lot of these guys are used to, from a cash flow standpoint, having a lot of these type of sales, the beef expo and stuff as a marketing outlet to sell genetics and bulls and heifers and generate revenue. And we kind of had to scramble two years ago to find ways to take those sales online so guys could still have their you know, sales and their revenue streams. Um, so that was a big challenge, but then kind of get past some of the COVID stuff. Now we're battling the input costs. And, um, you know, just around here this weekend, you guys talking about what they paid for fertilizer and inputs and stuff this year, you know, compared to what they paid last year, not knowing, you know, how that market's going to translate and that we're going to see, you know, the same kind of an increase, you know, in, uh, in crops, but also in the cattle. You know, have you guys uh, seen, uh, especially with uh, everything with COVID, everybody kind of want to know where their food comes from. Is there an increased demand that you see um, people wanting to buy direct from the producer versus going to the supermarket? Yeah, definitely. Um, because of the COVID and a lot of those issues, um, there has been a lot more interest around the state I've seen where people wanting to buy freezer beef direct from producers. Um, we've actually had several of our members have kind of capitalized on that and actually started their own small you know, meat programs and, and whatnot that they're you know, kind of promoting and selling more direct and locally and able to get more return that way. I, I hope it's a trend that, that continues to follow. It's not just a fad that, you know, we can get back to people buying direct from producer and just knowing where the good quality meat comes from. What have the Packers changed or what are they looking for with the new 
methods of marketing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, with with production and, and all that kind of stuff. I think the last two years, the challenges that come to the Packers is they've kind of had to change how they operate and do things. You know, they face their own labor struggles. Um, you know, we all witnessed that there's a lot of times where packing plants were shut down for periods of time because of COVID outbreaks. So I think they kind of changed a lot of that, how they operate to accommodate, you know, what the changing environment. Um, but what they really look for is it's still never going to change. It's, it's high-quality beef. Um, and beef that's you know highly influenced by Angus, especially because of the extra meat quality that, that our breed offers. Okay, so with the extra meat quality and all that kind of stuff, with producers, I mean, we got a lot of producers up in Northwest Ohio in our territory, um, but obviously within the entire state of Ohio. And we all use these things called EPDs. And so tell us what EPDs are and why it's important to use them in production and growing your herd and all that kind of stuff. EPDs uh, stand for expected progeny differentials. So it's a it's a tool, it's a number, and it's in a system that allows us to differentiate, you know, how an individual animal, whether a bull or a heifer, or cow's progeny are going to differentiate differentiate from you know, their contemporaries looking within the same herd. So um, it's it's a way for people to kind of evaluate and differentiate, you know, which which bloodlines, which genetics. You know, are stronger or weaker in certain traits and to help them make selection on where they need to improve within their herd and kind of apply, you know, those genetics, you know, to their operation, what their needs are. Okay. So with growing your herd and choosing the right genetics and all that kind of stuff, the, kind, the goal in mind is probably just to pass it along to the next generation and such. So thinking of today's youth and all of that, what does Ohio Angus and... Obviously, like Ohio Beef Expo and all that do for the youth in our state that want to get into this and produce cattle, high-quality product for other producers or other consumers within our area. Definitely. Whether it's the Ohio Cattlemen Association or the Ohio Junior Angle Association here, uh, both have great youth programs where uh, we have shows where juniors are able to go out and exhibit and show their heifers or steers uh, within the Angus breed. Um, obviously, with the Cattlemen's, they have all breeds. Um, but we have a really nice program through the American Angus Association for our junior program. and have a tremendous junior national show every summer um, where kids can come and exhibit their cattle, and their, uh, but also compete in a lot of different ways. They have judging contests, public speaking contests. They even have an auctioneering contest, um, graphic design contest. So even if you're not you know, an Angus kid and you're not real big in just the show ring side of things, our junior nationals and that program has a lot of different ways to, for kids to compete and show their Angus knowledge and cattle knowledge, but not just always in the show ring. That's great. Great information. That is. And all these, uh, all the information and contact for this, we will put links into our transcript on our website, www.agcredit.net. And we're going to catch you on the next, uh, next part of our uh, podcast here. We're going to go meet uh, another individual and uh, we'll be back with you. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Matt here with Brenna. We are still at the Ohio Beef Expo, uh, making our next stop on our rounds here at the uh, Kalmbach Feeds booth. And Brenna, why don't you go ahead and introduce our next guest for us? Here's another one I've known for a while. So this is Levi Richards. He is the regional sales manager and the program director of Formula of Champions. We'd like to welcome you to thank and you. thank you for joining us yeah, on our podcast. Absolutely, so. absolutely. I'm a, I'm a podcast junkie, so I was excited when you told me uh, you wanted to talk to us here. That's so. great. Yeah, That's thanks. great. 
So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. You know, where you're from, yeah. background, you know. Sure. Your lo- a quick resume. So my name's Levi Richards from Bowling Green, Ohio. And um, let's see, I started kind of showing livestock when I was a young teen and, and not born into a, an agriculture or livestock family whatsoever. So it was something really new for us and something I really wanted to take on. Um, but had a really fun show career. Um, went to Ohio State ATI, studied animal science there. And um, yeah, I'm, I've done a little bit of everything, you know, from, from leaving ATI, I went to a, a 5,000 head sow operation in Illinois managed a small cattle herd here in northwest Ohio. Um, I was a grain buyer for Poet for a little while, managed a small co-op for a little while, ultimately landing at Kalmbach Feeds. Uh, So I've kind of got, I kind of wear two hats at Kalmbach Feeds. Uh, Like Brenna said, I'm a regional sales manager, kind of cover northwest Ohio and a little bit of southeast Michigan. Uh, I've got a few other spots too. But then a, a, a big part of what I do is running the Formula Champions brand, uh, which is our premium line of show feeds. Um, so that keeps me very busy between those things. And then I've also got a, a big family at home and run around the country judging some livestock shows when I can. So hey. you know, you stay busy. Some, and you have some calves here today, I do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We, we're showing a couple and a few that we've kind of sold and helped families find. So, yeah, this is a big event. You know, this is a highlight for a lot of cattle families in the state. That is great. Well, I tell you, you know, kind of for uh, our uh, pod, uh, podcast listeners out there, tell us a little bit about Kalmbach Feeds. Yeah. You know, what all different avenues and businesses is uh, you guys cover? Sure. So Kalmbach Feeds is a family-owned uh, feed company. I would say it's got to be one of the largest scaled, still family-owned feed companies uh, in the country. Uh, we're actually into our third generation of Kalmbachs um, within management. Uh, Paul Kalmbach Jr. is now the president, you know, and he's... He's young and, and brings some new energy, and uh, it's exciting. But, you know, at Kalmbach Feeds, we, we kind of cover a little bit of everything. If there's, if, if there's an, an animal, whether it's got two legs or four legs or anything in between, there's, there's a likelihood that we've got feed for it or we can make feed for it. Um, you know, our, our premium line of horse feeds is called Tribute. Uh, that's become a huge, huge thing. Um, we service a lot of dairies and commercial cattle accounts. Uh, we, we carry some different pet foods. We have stuff for hamsters, guinea pigs, and everything kind of in between. So, uh, huge variety. Huge variety. And, and we look at, especially down here at the Ohio Beef Expo, looking at all these beautiful animals. Yeah. Uh, Formula Champion Show Feed. I mean, that's yeah. got to be, uh, you know, your bread and butter right there. It is. It is, it is kind of my little baby. I, I take huge pride in Formula Champions and the growth um, that it's got. And I've got an awesome team that I lead um, that has really brought that brand uh, to the next level, and we've got some cool things up our sleeve that we're going to be working on over the next year. But yeah, you know, the Formula Champions brand is really showcased when we go to these large shows, and we're, we're able to find out how our customers do in the show ring, in the sales, things like that. Um, but you know, this is a it's a big event for our customers, and we love being a part of it. So, what makes Formula Champion Show Feed stand out from? everybody else sure absolutely that's a question i get quite a bit so i I think first and foremost i would i think that we focus on gut health as much or more than any of our competitors we put a lot of added components and ingredients in these feeds that you know make sure that makes them perform better and make sure that every pound of feed that goes into those really counts to its maximum their gains are high their efficiency is high the animals uh stay healthy you know everything looks good going coming out as as good as it does going in you know um and the animals do really well 
uh, as far as you know their their phenotype, their build. You know, we really focus on creating the best built animals. You know, we talk about uh, in the show ring, we're feeding that phenotype. You know, the we want to make the animals look uh, as as phenotypically good as we can. What their physical characteristics are, we want to max them out and and make that animal its one hundred and tenth percent every step in the ring. Very good, very good. So go ahead and describe a little bit about the feeds. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're here at the Beef Expo, so you can focus on that if you want. Yeah. But also the nutrition program. I mean, yeah. you touched on it a little bit, but sure. like diving in as to like what you guys do research-wise and yeah. finding out what is going to work and make a good feed. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good question. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes efforts. Um, and it really, it's funny, it kind of starts with our own team. We're kind of our own guinea pigs. Um, you know, uh, on the on the sow end or on the pig end, Kalmbach Feeds owns, you know, several thousand um, pigs. And uh, we're able to, to run some trials. We're actually building a, a research facility there on site. Uh, we've got a really nice poultry facility for research right now. And there's some new things coming. Um, but, you know, like when we want to come out with a new product, we don't just throw some things in a computer and say, hey, this looks good on paper, uh, let's sell it. Um, we're talking about years, and I mean, you know, sometimes two or three years of, you know, trials and research and development that, that goes into it. I'll tell you, we're getting ready to launch something end of spring, early summer. We are really excited about it. I'd love to tell you more about it, but I cannot. Um, <laughs> but it has been in the works for quite some time. It's been something we've been talking about doing for years. Um, and finally made the big investment to, to be able to make something, you know, the right type and size last year. And now the diets are done. The sales reps themselves have kind of been our guinea pigs for it. Um, you know, anybody that owns cattle, we've been able to send a few bags here in their home and, and try it out. I've got some here that I've got a heifer on. I'm, I'm super pumped about it. Um, but it's you can be send some my <laughs> way. I know what beef costs are. So. And I think that's just yeah. one of the great aspects. And so you guys are a family-owned yes. company, but you're not just putting something in a bag and tossing it out there to see if it'll stick in the market. Right. There, there's a lot of research, it sounds like, yes. and trials that go into this before you're going to give it out to the public. Yes. So, you know, the, the team that kind of leads the Formula Champions effort, I like to call them my team of experts, okay? There's about 15 people, and they're not the people that will give you feeding advice by reading it out of the book. They are the ones helping me write the book, and that is, that is the most literal thing I can tell you because every year we sit down and write a product book you know, with all the descriptions, and we make sure that these feeds are as absolute good in performance and quality as we can. Um, and uh, that team of experts are the ones trialing these feeds. You know, we know firsthand what needs changed, what what's working, and what's not. So uh, it's it's an incredible little group of guys and gals that really help bring this program to the next level. You know, we we talk about when we look at this good feed to give these animals. We look at also the cost of yes. stuff and especially oh over the last couple of years yeah um the way the everything's happening the economy and we look at inflation and we look at overall grain prices will go into the raw product to oh make your feed uh tell us a little bit about that and how you guys are uh i guess working yeah for that and against <laughs> it and every other way around well, it well I, I can totally see where you want to put the best of the best into it but yet we you do? also have to take this economic side well i'll tell you something i absolutely refuse to make a feed cheaper by dumbing it down, like to take some of the good stuff out of it just to hit a price point. I am not that guy. I will not be that guy. And Kalmbach Feeds is not that company. Um, 
you know, we we quality check every ingredient as it comes in, and we have a very rigorous procedure checking not only the ingredients but the finished products before they leave. Okay, um, but you wanted to bring up cost, and I'll, I'll tell you, now is not a fun time to be um, you know making a livelihood by selling feet because it is not cheap. Uh, I've never never sold a single product by being the cheapest, and I never intend to. You know, I want to I want to sell somebody the product because it's the best one out there for them. Um, but <laughs> yeah, none of them are cheap right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in comparison with yes. the feed costs, sure, I mean, sure. obviously looking at current crop prices and yeah. seeing what they are. Yep. How do you guys go about factoring that in uh-huh. when creating these feeds and yeah. then setting a price? I mean, right. there's a return that you guys need. You bet. You oh, know? Yeah. So yeah. And costs that you guys got to cover, but yeah. yet you still don't want to be like, well, it's 25 bucks a bag, and everybody's like, <laughs> okay. Like, hey, let's not do yes. 25 bucks is happening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, and that's what I'm worried about. So. All right. So, uh, yeah, you bring up a really good point. In fact, I, I, I was at our county cattlemen's meeting uh, and I was our, our retiring president this past year, but I joked at our banquet at the end, you know, when I was a kid, I remember sitting at the table and one of, there's a, a commercial cattle guy in our county that I've always thought super highly of and had so much respect for, and I still do to this day. But I was joking with him as a kid, and he was giving me crap for feeding show feed. And he said, you're paying 16 a, or 100 for that show feed. Well, right now, 16 a 50 ain't even getting it done. I'm just thinking, how many days can I get out of this bag of feed on this cap? Yeah, you know, we've got to do what's smart, Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you you talk about the actual cost. It comes down. There's so much more into it than just the price of corn, beans, and wheat. You know, and that's what everybody looks at the Chicago Board of Trade. And you know, some days the feed cost doesn't always match what what the CBOT is doing, and they're asking me like, what the heck's going on? There's so much more that goes into it. You know, you don't think about it, but like, say, wheat mids, they go up it, usually in, in December, around Christmas time, the holidays, wheat mids are up substantially, you know, sometimes double its, its, its uh, price throughout the rest of the year. Or how about when, uh, you know, mineral spikes, our, our products are fortified to the 200th degree. I mean, um, there's so much more than just corn oats and, and, you know, whatnot that goes into these products, um, but there's a lot of factors there. And the other thing is everything in the Formula Champions line and really even everything branded at Kalmbach Feeds is a fixed formula. It's locked in. We have never, um, you know, since coming out with these brands, we have never changed a formula to make it cheaper. It, it is about making the most high quality, the best performing products on the market. Do you, say, uh, do you see the producers out there wanting to try and come up with different ways to change up yes. their feed program, especially with, with this uh, time in our industry? Yeah, so, you know... Let's let's um, let's step aside from the whole show feed thing right now because I, I do sell a lot of feed to commercial producers and uh, I, you know I wouldn't have the living today that I did without them and I have so much respect for those guys that are feeding several hundred head or several thousand head in some cases they especially have to do what's going to mean the most to their bottom line you know you you want to talk about the difference in feeding show stock or commercial stock the show stock we're we're feeding to build that phenotype and that build. These commercial producers, they've got to be efficient, and they've got to they've got to meet a weight and be you know have have the most weight per day of age, the most um, you know the, the most of efficiency, I guess, at the end of the day. So, um, I like to do comparing here. So yes, I mean he Levi knows my family and everything, sure. and the the hey you got to turn and burn, get them in, get them out, yes. feed them as fast as you can, make the money, that yeah. kind of thing. 
but then going to the show feed side of things, it's the souped up version of it. And it I is. always would say, like, why do you watch NASCAR or yeah. something? It's the same exact kind of thing. Like, go watch cars go down the road rather than sitting in the, and watching a track go in a circle with with pretty paint. Yeah, and that's what the that's the difference. I say, you know. The cars on the lots going down the road yeah. and that and all that kind of stuff in comparison to a NASCAR car. You bet. Or uh, same with tractor pulls. Uh, yeah. Why do you have to watch a super modified go down a track? Just exactly. hook up the plow and watch it go down the field. You, you know? know. When I started at Combach Feeds, one of the other sales reps uh, said that showing cattle was like a beauty pageant for cows. And actually, it, at first, it made me really mad. Um, you know, just having is. such a passion for it, but. Compared to what those commercial guys are doing, it is it is exactly that. It's parading them through the ring. Um, we've still got to have them really practical. They've got to be really functional. But we're representing the beef industry just in a little prettier, uh, you know, more eye appealing uh, level. Right. So, so spraying yeah. that you know show sheen on is yeah. like slapping that sticker on the side of a car, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So. yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, when we kind of look at that. I kind of give us you know the difference that you would recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, you know, a feeding program yeah. for the show ring yep. or the feedlot. So you know, I, let's just talk about feeding steers. You know, um, when it comes to feeding show steers, we've got a really very user-friendly three-step program. You know, our one-third pro grower grows them, gets them big middled and bloomy and chubby. Um, some of those steers that maybe need a little bit more um, energy to kind of get finished are going to go to the pro finisher at some point, and then. I almost always have one uh, go to a barley-based feed. We've got two different options uh, for their last 60 to 100 days. So it it becomes very user-friendly. There's a couple different pieces of the puzzle that you can use. Um, Ultimately, that's what we're getting at. Uh, In the commercial world, we're using what's going to be the lowest cost ingredients, but maximizing feed efficiency and performance. The quicker we can get the animal to the packer is probably what those producers are looking to do. Yes. And, you know, as of right now, with with commodity prices and ingredient prices and inputs where they are, uh, everybody's scrambling just a little bit saying, what can I do to cheapen things up? You know, just for example, one of my biggest customers, actually my biggest customer, um, called me this week because they've got several thousand young calves on feed. And, you know, they, they needed to be able to make their 16% calf starter cheaper. And, and I can't blame them at all, you know. By the time we looked at, at dollars and cents and what it was costing them, they, we've, we've got to do what we can uh, to minimize their inputs. Uh, but keep performance the same, you know. So luckily we've got an incredible team of nutritionists at Kalmbach Feeds that I was able to go back. One that I work really closely with is Kyle Nichols. He and I work real close together, both on show feed and a lot of commercial accounts. But, you know, I took it to Kyle and said, what can we do? And he played with some numbers and ingredients, and uh, he's, he's an awesome guy at, at really being able to look at those and, and uh, creating a, a better bottom line for these guys, really. And I think that's one great thing you talked about, too, is the research that goes into this. Yeah. You know, for the most part, uh, your consumer would probably think uh, feed is feed. I mean, it's the same stuff I could buy at, yeah. the, at the local farm store, right, where, uh, you know, is there new technology and new rationing and stuff that's coming out all the time for feeds. Yes, always. You know, I guess, for example, you know, one of the big components that we put on all of our show feeds is OptiFirm XL. It's a patented yeast strain that's just really helps further digest every pound of feed you put inside of them, maximizing gut health and performance and efficiency. We also use OptiFirm XL in almost all of our commercial diets and a lot of those supplements that you can buy for your corn oak programs, and, or I mean corn and pellet programs. 
Um, and really just, you know, we, we can use some of that R&D that we've put into it on every side of it. Not just show feed, not just commercial feed, but it really is such a broad spectrum. But that's just one example of, of you know, one of those technologies that we've got available to us. Or there's another one called LifeGuard that's a, a blend of um, essential oils and, um, oh, Lord, what else is in that one? Um, there, there's, it's a blend of, of like four different things that really help just the overall health and performance of the livestock. Uh, so LifeGuard's been a great a great product and component, but we actually put that in, in products for all species. It's not even just beef, but that's been a, a huge part of our program. It's funny you bring up the essential oils thing, and in the last, like, what, three years or something yeah. like that, even with kids walking into the uh-huh. ring, we've put, you know, lavender and, you know, all that kind of stuff <laughs> right. on them to right. help with the calming factor and yeah. all that, but... I mean, doing it from the inside out is what you guys essentially are yeah, doing. Exactly. So yep. it's uh, it's definitely neat to hear the the transformation and the, the growth yeah. of the program. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's essential oils, it's probiotics, prebiotics, and, and a little bit of everything. All the things our doctors are telling us exactly. we all need to do. Yeah, we, we could really, uh, we could take a, a little piece of our program home with us, you know, if we really paid better attention. <laughs> well, Levi, if uh, somebody wants to get more information on yeah. all your products with Kalmbach, what is the best way they can get that information? Yeah, so anything, um, I guess as a broad spectrum, kalmbachfeeds.com is, is the easiest place to go for information. Um, and there's some contact information there. If you want specifically you know, information on show feeds, go to formulachampions.com. And under the contact us, you can find phone numbers for myself and a lot of those people on that team of experts. Um, and uh, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. We go to a lot of farms. I, I couldn't even tell you how many farms I get on per month or per year. It's it's, uh, it's kind of a crazy life. And I, I think that means a lot right there that you, bet. you guys are willing and wanting to go out to the farm and see firsthand that animal yeah. and help that producer with that feed program. Oh, I you, prefer it. You bring I, up the word team. Yeah. You really want to treat it as a yes. team. You want to see them as succeed as much as you, you know, yourselves and all that And, kind of and stuff. honestly, and, and Brenna, you can probably attest to this because yep. I've dealt with your family for years, but when you buy feed from me, you know, you kind of become part of the family. You know, I, I like to stop out. Uh, maybe, it's kind of an understatement maybe, here maybe, because we've done birthdays. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. But I really do mean it. You know, like my customers mean a lot to me. Um, and there's some that I've grown very close to over the years, but I want to get on your farm. I want to see your livestock, and let's make sure we're doing the right thing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think that's one thing we always pride ourselves at Ag Credit as being relationship lenders, where you guys are just as much relationship to that producer when it comes to the feed side. Another basically tool for his toolbox to uh, you know to keep uh, growing another and team uh, another Absolutely. team member. Yeah. Yeah. So, Levi, we want to thank you for joining us yeah, and, and sharing your knowledge, especially about <laughs> Kalmbach and the industry and all that kind of and stuff. And we will be uh, have the links in our transcript on www.agcredit.net and our transcripts uh, for our podcast. That way we have all your uh, information there. So Perfect. Feel free to reach out to us and help create a, a better team for all of our producers in our area. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yes, thanks, Levi. We do appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Set It. Want to talk ag in between episodes? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AgCredit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net. And be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Catch you next time.